0: Hello, this is Dr. Dan I come to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios, and it is the 8th of September, 2020. We're going to get started immediately in a discussion of our T-cell aging arc of lectures. We've been doing this now for some time, and I'm getting to the point now where I'm going to give you some very interesting details on very recent research. And for you to do that, if you don't understand it, what I mean to say is you have to go back and you have to reflect on what I've been telling you before about the regulation of the expression of all the T cell subsets. I'm gonna give you a little bit more of a primer and a new angle on it right now, but for you to understand how T cells respond to physiological aging and indeed to disease states, which um, are in some ways related Uh, you're gonna have to get the full-blown discussion that I've been doing on these T-cells. And it's particularly about the transcription factors, mevalonic acid, and what I've been talking about about the last month. So again, Dr. Dan Guerra, Authentic Biochemistry. And uh, let's just go right into a paper published in Immunological Research back in 2015. Uh, In that journal, it's all online and for free, so you can just go to paper number 171520. Now I'm giving you again this as a preliminary for you to understand something about the regulation of Treg expression. So this paper talks about the glucocorticoid induced tumor necrosis factor receptor related protein, also known as GITR. It has an older name, CD357. Now that particular GITR is actually expressed in pretty high levels in activated T cells, as well as in regulated T, regulatory T cells. So, T effector cells and T regs. And so, if you look at the murine studies and compare them to human studies, it looks like both um, bodies of literature suggest that GRTR is actually a very important uh, receptor for the differentiation of the thymic T regs. Remember, we talked about those last time. Those are the T T regs. And when you, when you bind to the GITR, you induce a, a proliferation of both TT regs and the peripheral Tregs or PT regs. Now, what's known about GITR and Treg expansion has been shown in um, memory T cells. Now, it's not surprising that GITR appears to be a marker in active Tregs because it's been uh, the association has been shown for some time because of cytokine interactions and the suppressor activity of our example, TGF-beta, when you have GITR in those cells. And that's where Tregs are active, such as in solid tumors, or even in the functional studies that have been just linked T Tregs in culture. So Treg subsets, right? including the TR1s, they express either low or or no classical Treg markers. Now, what are those? Of course, FOXP3 and CD25. However, they still express the GITR. So that means it's probably functioning um, on a different pathway for the induction of the Treg system. So when you evaluate changes in the number of T regulatory cells, this paper, this 2015 paper, particularly when you're looking at human disease, they're suggesting that the GITR expression along with the FOXP3, which is a transcription factor, the CD25, which is another membrane-associated protein, all those should be evaluated. So of course, you know the Tregs are derived from thymus-derived Tregs, those are the TT regs, and they're, and they're often characterized simply because they have the expression of the FOXP3 uh, and also the interleukin 2 receptor alpha chain. That's the CD25 I just mentioned to you. Now, when you look at the murine model, TT regs also express this GITR. Remember, this is the glucocorticoid induced tumor necrosis factor receptor related protein. It's got rather a long, hideous name. They also express uh, OX40, which is CD134, also known as CD134. And of course, both of those are tumor necrosis factor receptor uh, proteins, both are the super family. So these TT regs are of course naive T cells because they're in the thymus, and you need that induction prior to any induction that's going to allow for the expression of the FOXP3 uh, transcription factor, okay? Now, TT regs themselves are anergic in vitro, so that simply means they don't proliferate uh, in response to their, their canonical receptor, which would be TCR triggering. But they, uh, they do appear to proliferate populations in vivo, uh, and that's probably due to the GITR. So the CD25 might be, according to this review article published five years ago, a good surrogate for looking at Tregs, but of course you have to be careful because the CD25 is also expressed, and I just told you, in other T cell lineages, the T effector cells. So uh, there is this uh, body of literature that talks about high expressions of CD25 those are known as CD25 high. Those are in the TT reg populations, or they're also on CD25 bright because they're shown in the bright field. Now that may well work, but you have to keep in mind that antibodies that are binding to CD25, which again, that, that, that's this whole system to be able to open up an understanding of the TT reg population. Uh, when you use flow cytometry, for example, because it's just cell surface markers, You have to be careful because uh, CD25 is expressed also in T-effector cells. So I wanted to give you all of that as like a background. Now I'm going to tell you how Tregs are stabilized and how they can become unstable or instable, no longer stable. So if you have single nucleotide polymorphisms in interleukin two or interleukin two receptor, you're going to get destabilization. Whereas the GITR is a stabilizing signal. Okay. So that's really important. Ox40L ligand is also a destabilizing signal. And if you have any single nucleotide polymorphisms in the CTLA-4, that's also going to destabilize regs. Now remember CTLA-4 is also used for the checkpoint inhibitor regulation of the T effector cells. So this is all now functioning where Tregs are interacting with antigen-presenting cells. So you can look at a paper published in the Journal of Immunology, 2016, volume 197, page 3762, which is what I've read recently. Now, let me tell you what this paper talks about. Interleukin-2 is critical for the T-regulatory stability, as I just mentioned, and and for maintenance of Treg cells and polymorphisms in either interleukin-2 or interleukin-2 receptor alpha are actually shown to occur in diabetes. Pro-inflammatory cytokines, for example, like interferon gamma or TNF-alpha will actually alter T regulatory phenotypes. We've talked about that as well. So many Treg-associated molecules are important for the optimum suppressor function of Tregs. So you need CTLA4. You need that GITR, that GITR4, that the corticoid um, TNF associated receptor, and you also need that OX40. So you can't have mutations in any of those. Now I mentioned last time that agonistic antibodies to the GITR, so ones that are going to uh, trigger the GITR but aren't in themselves the actual ligand are actually detrimental to Treg mediated stability and suppression uh, activity. So you can agonize that receptor, not okay, but it doesn't mean you're going to get stabilization, you're gonna get destabilization, okay? So that's very interesting. So intracellular molecules, and there's a whole host of them, but one of them, for example, is the phosphatase P10 are key molecules in the optimum Treg function, where the FOX1,3A localization to nucleus is being regulated by that kinase cascade. So intracellularly, you have FOXO1 and FOXO3A, which end up in the nucleus, and then those proteins in, in, in relative um, association with EOS and the Helios protein allow for FOXP3 expression and that's fully necessary for you to get transcriptional uh, activation and they have a T regulatory cell which can respond to all the other functions associated with antigen presenting cells. That's why I brought up the whole GITR so that you knew what that was doing. So here's kind of a composite understanding for Tregs. There are core Treg genes which have to be expressed for you to have uh, a functional activity. That's FOXP3 as a transcription factor. You need to have CTLA4 on the Treg cell. You need to have CD25, and you have to have a decrease in interleukin-2 activity that is coming to the receptor, okay? So the CD80 will bind, from an antipresenting presenting cell, will bind to CTLA4. And CD86 will also bind to CTLA-4, and that's going to be inducing the Treg cells as a core. Now, you can also have Treg cells that act like T-effector cells. And so when that happens, you have certain homing receptors, which are called THX receptors, and you also have increases in cytokines and chemokines, which will then alter the regulate the transcriptional regulation in the Treg lineage to turning them into T-effector X-like mo- module uh, induced cells. So when you have a TH or T-effector X-like modules, you have T follicular cells. Those have FOXP3 and BCL6 and homing receptors, including the chemokine receptor CXCR5. And then if you are inducing A T effector like Th1, Th2, Th17, all of those express FOXP3, but remember that TBET gives you Th1. These are transcription factors now. IRF4 gives you Th2 uh, subset, and then STAT3 gives you Th17. And then in conjunction with those are respectively the chemokine receptor 3 for Th1, chemokine receptor eight for TH2 and chemokine receptor six for the TH17s. Okay? So FOXP3 essentially acts to control the core module of all the T-regulatory suppressive function and it does so by regulating the expression of all these other molecules like CTLA4 and CD25. Now what that does is it provides the functional activation of Tregs to suppress T-effector activation and proliferation because it suppresses the antigen-presenting cell function via that CTLA-4 receptor because it's going to be bound now to the Treg, reg. you understand. It's also possible that it's depriving interleukin-2 from other T cells, which of course are going to induce the T-effector modulation. That's why high levels of interleukin-2 can corrupt the Treg Um, manifestation of Th1 to Treg induction, okay? So in addition to these T effector-like modules of suppressor function, you also have induced this uh, Treg uh, transcription factor, which is going to lead to the follicular T cells, Th1, Th2, and Th17. And those are the ones I just mentioned to you, the the alteration of of those transcription factors. For example, TBET, IRF-4, and STAT-3, which I just mentioned to you. Now, paper published in Aging and Disease in 2019. This is the key of this particular lecture. Published about a year and a half ago. So Aging and Disease, 2019, February. This is volume 10, page 49 to 61. Now, this is what I want you to listen to very carefully. Everything I told you so far but just so you understand this paper, there's research that's been directed towards the analysis of circulating lymphocyte subsets in the elderly and then young adults, which both of which, both populations, there are two different chronological age populations that have end stage renal disease. And so we're looking at these two subsets of, of, uh, patients that have ESRD, that's end-stage renal disease, and determining whether or not they are good candidates for kidney transplants. Now you're looking at circulating T lymphocytes in the elderly and the young with ESRD and comparing them to healthy volunteers who are gonna be giving, perhaps, the kidney for the transplant. And so they examine them because they wanted to see if aging has any effect on the circulating lymphocytes, because obviously you're looking at a rejection, right? Now the data, and that's the study I'm telling you, suggests that aging affects indeed the lymphocyte subpopulation profile of these end-stage renal disease patients in a manner that has a similar pattern in individuals without ESRD. So aging itself is associated with a global reduction in the absolute number of total lymphocytes plus TCD4s and TCD8 subsets, okay, specifically. So uh, uh, TCD4 positive or TC 8 positive subsets and then the double positives. The subpopulation changes themselves are far more uh, obvious for the, uh, T cell D4 naive subset. Now here's a couple of more things to consider. There are lower T naive and TCD4 effector memory with retinoic acid expression. So those are called Temra cells. So these are T naive and TCD4 effector memory with retinoic acid expression. And remember those are going to ultimately lead to TH17 cells if they're allowed to differentiate. The other thing you can determine from this subpopulation is that there's a higher T cell memory population in the elderly. There's a higher proportion of T regulatory cells as well, without any actual change. This is just proportional of the absolute counts of Tregs. You have to compare them to all these other T cell lineages. So aging results also in a lower absolute B memory cell count with similar subset percentages. So what we, so we'll get into that. Just hold on. So the T cell evidence coincides with previously published research that elderly possess basically just lower T naive lymphocytes and higher T cell memory and higher tregs in terms of their mole percent the data is contrary for t effector memory absolute and the percentage of t reg absolute counts and higher t reg absolute counts so these are only proportional differences okay so for elderly end stage renal disease patients there is a memory shift in t cells along with an increase in T-rex. Previous research had reported until this 2019 paper that there were lower absolute counts and percentages of total B lymphocytes and a higher percentage of B memory cells. So the literature so far provides no real consensus regarding the quantitative impact of B naive cells or B regulatory percentages and the work here agrees that there is no obvious profile shift in any of those B lymphocyte subsets with aging. So it seems like the changes in the Tregs. So you have T um, effector memory cells and Treg cells and the the mole percent of those increase with aging. Okay. So that's a key feature so far. Let's continue on this discussion. Now, there's a theory out there that says that the thymus atrophies, of course, according to aging, and there's a reduction, therefore, in thymic output of T-cells. And the theory suggests that that results in a decrease in naive T-cell population with a concomitant relative expansion of peripheral T-cells, so not the T-T-cells, but the P-T-cells, Presumably that because of the ratio changes because the thymus has less output, right? Now, the net result is an increase in T-cells with memory phenotype. And that occurs, this is the point I was just about ready to make, with aging, chronological aging, regardless if the patient has end-stage renal disease. End-stage renal disease is a disease that's linked to aging. Okay, although I told you there was younger populations being compared here in this paper. Now, here's something important for you to understand. End-stage renal disease was associated with a global reduction and the absolute number of T lymphocytes of the D4 and D8 lineage, where the TC4 positive subsets were found lower absolute compared to the T-naive, the T-cell memory and the T-effector memory retinoic acid, those are the Th17s, with a higher percentage overall of T-effector memory cells. So the lower percentage of Tregs in ESRD is contrary to aging t-cell count distribution okay so this is the point i was just telling you that aging gives you higher total percentage of t so esrd and stage renal disease was associated with a lower absolute b lymphocyte count and a lower absolute count of all the b cell subsets altogether so the this paper suggests that there may be a premature what that tells you from the immunological perspective, there could be a premature senescence in the total compartment among ESRD individuals, thymic compartment, with a shift towards the memory profile because you see it in young and old. So that means that chronic kidney disease before you get to end stage may lead to a premature decline in thymic function an increase in relatively to memory T cells with a terminal differentiation and elevated apoptosis of all the T-naive cells. That resembles aging. So chronic kidney disease resembles aging relative to these T cell subset populations. And that uh, it, it gives you a premature immunological senescence that seems to be linked to chronic kidney disease leading to ESRD. So what overall this work demonstrated is you have to consider whether the aging adaptive immune system is actually promoting chronic kidney disease or if chronic kidney disease simply mimics premature aging, according to this T cell population subset distribution. And this is a puzzle, because if you work out this puzzle, you could lead to ESRD therapy and could possibly help us better understand how the entire immune system is involved in the regulation of the aging process. So it's really a key feature of this paper, and I want you to keep that in mind, because if we can come up with looking at disease states and ask ourselves that diseases that are typically associated with aging, such as chronic kidney disease leading to end-stage renal disease, okay? It could mean you're getting a premature aging of the thymus-induced naive cells because you're increasing, remember, the T-memory cells and the T-regulatory cells, right? And so this could be associated with it. So we don't know whether or not that's going to, um, play out if we look at other diseases. And that's what I'm going to be doing the next couple of episodes here. So we talked about chronic kidney disease, which is often associated with certain lineages of chronological aging that leads to um, morbidities that link up to a premature aging response. And I want to see if that, whether or not that occurs with cardiovascular disease and cancer as well. So that will ultimately allow us to start talking about a couple of other proteins involved in the expression of genes in the T-cell population. One of them is the nuclear factor in leukin 3 or the INFIL-3 binding protein, also known as E4BP4. So we're going to be looking at that population controlled by that transcription factor and determine whether or not that's gonna link into changes in cytokine production to effector cells, and ultimately how that looks in a cancer population, okay? So that's where we are right now. I'm gonna stop here, even though we're a few minutes early, um, and I'm going to leave you with this uh, really important um, announcement. What I plan on doing after I think one or two more episodes of discussing this T cell, uh, primarily T cell. We've talked a little bit about B cells, but this T cell association with aging is I'm going to go back now and I'm going to repopulate our discussion of the aging process, the senescing process. And I'm going to say, okay, we've talked about T cells. Now we're going to talk about global immune associated diseases in aging. One of which I just introduced to you, the potential that chronic kidney disease could be one of these, one of these uh, diseases that are actually associated with an immune compromised setting. Because what I want to ultimately get you to see is that the immune response is constantly changing over time. So there's a chronological shifting But superimposing that chronological shifting as people age is also the production, not just of T-memory cells, which we talked about two episodes ago, associated perhaps with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. And then ultimately, those, uh, remember we were talking about innate-like T-lymphocytes, remember in the choroid. And we were telling you that there's a subpopulation of those that may be activated inappropriately. And that could be associated with apoptosis linked to neurodegeneration. What I want to do now is, is fill in that gap and explain how what's going on in the periphery, and for example, chronic kidney disease, may be linked to that with normal aging subsets. And that's linked ultimately to the production of naive T cells, which ultimately can then differentiate into T regs and T effector cells, you see. And then that's going to globally control all of the immune response uh, because you have an innate induction associated with T-cell activation and then B-cell plasma cell activation. And then ultimately we're going to put the third factor in there, and that is etiologic pathological agents, such as bacterial infections, viral infections, parasitic infections, and how that occurs more frequently as one ages and whether or not those can be associated antigen specific to inducing autoimmune diseases, which remain occult, but which may promote the premature aging process, ultimately leading perhaps to these full-blown diseases like chronic kidney disease, cardiovascular disease, and then of course, the impacting factors of nutrition, obesity, overlying that whole uh, sequelae of diseases. So I hope I made that clear at the end. I know that's a lot of things to think about, but that's ultimately where I want to go with this. Okay. So I'm hoping you're having a, you are having a—you had a good Labor Day weekend. We should certainly did it at the Guerra household. And so I'm hoping that you had a good one too. I'm hoping you're enjoying some of this late summer weather. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to the fall because that's my favorite season. So anyways, this is Dr. Dan Guerra and, uh, saying bye. Four nine.